Hello and welcome to Walking the Earth Podcast, a podcast about the backpacking experience. You can find us online at wtepodcast.com. I'm Justin Castle calling in from New York City, New York. And I'm Mike Margulies calling in today from Cat Ba Island, Vietnam. Uh, and our guest today is uh, Nancy Sathry Vogel. Nancy, I didn't butcher that too much, did I? Not at all. <laughs> and Nancy, you're calling in from uh, Boise, Idaho, your hometown. Um, you are, I guess, an inspirational speaker and author. Uh, you're the force behind familyonbikes.org. Um, and I guess we want to bring you on the show because I think what you're doing is pretty amazing. Um, you know, it's plenty of backpackers like me who go solo, all that stuff. Uh, and some people will give that reaction of, well, it's easy. You don't have a family responsibilities. But mm. I think you go to show that, well, actually, that shouldn't stop you because you have been bicycling around with a husband and two kids uh, for years now, you know, traveling with the family, making it work. Absolutely. Make it work. That's, that's it. You just make your decision <laughs> on what you're going to do, and then you go and you figure out how to make it work. Gotcha. Awesome. That's, uh, yeah, I think that's amazing because um, I definitely, um, that's a reaction that people do give is, um, and we talked about this a little bit before, it's sort of, it's almost like an excuse uh, in some ways, right? When people say, oh, well, I have this reason I can't go and that reason. Um, but I think you're, you're living proof that actually there are ways. <laughs> well, I think it's really important that you, you look at your your reason and try to dis differentiate between is this a real reason why you can't do this or is this just an excuse is it a convenient excuse so whatever your dream is if you want to do it and you have very valid reasons it could be health reasons they could be that you're taking care of aging parents there are many reasons that will hold people back but there are also many excuses and sometimes it's hard to know the difference right right mm. i gotcha and I know, I know just, you know, we, Mike and I, we're in our late twenties approaching 30 and Mike's gone. He's gone in this adventure. He's, he's out there. He's, he's been there, done that. He's living, living the, the word, so to speak. Um, now when you got started, you were around, um, well, I guess you were younger than I, when, when you got started traveling, but when you got started biking, I believe it was, you were 29. Is that correct? I was 29 when we flew to Pakistan. Yep. Uh, so yes, my now husband, at the time I didn't know him, but mm -hmm. at the time I, I, uh, I, I flew to Pakistan and with this man, I spent the next year cycling around Pakistan, India, Nepal, and Bangladesh. And awesome. then we got married when we got back to the U.S. a year later. Wow, that's awesome. That's definitely cool. That's a that's a love story right there, born from yeah nothing. <laughs> um, Interesting story for sure. Yeah, I'm. I know I've mentioned in the past two or three podcasts, but have you seen Jennifer the the uh, cycling story about Tom? I have heard of it. You I've have heard, heard of it, it, but I've never read it. Okay, uh, excellent. You can definitely get it online. I know it's on iTunes, and I think you can get it on Amazon as well, uh, Janiper. Um, basically, this man goes traveling around the world. He's out of England, and he falls in love with a girl that he meets on the road. And then they start cycling, and they go through the ups and the downs of cycling. And, and um, eventually, they got married. And now they live together and have a blog and a pretty highly trafficked website so that's uh, <laughs> it's similar to your story kind of but uh just a little bit more
more recent. That's all, you know, they started more recently. Right. Right. Yep. So we actually, we spent that year, that was back in 1990, 91. Right. And then we went, we did 16 years where we did the traditional thing. My husband and I are both teachers. And so we were teaching school. Now, granted, we were teaching in other countries. We were teaching in international schools. So we didn't live in the U.S. We were living abroad. But for all practical purposes, our life was pretty similar to other teachers for 16 years. And then amazingly, we made the decision to leave teaching and we headed out again on the bikes. This time we had twin sons that were eight. And so we spent the, the boys' third grade year cycling around the U.S. and Mexico. Yeah. Uh, while we were on that trip, we made the decision that we wanted to ride from Alaska to Argentina. And so then when the boys just finished fourth grade, uh, we took off and they spent their grades five, six, and seven years cycling from Alaska to Argentina. Awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I, yeah, I, I guess I'd be really interested to hear more about that aspect of um, that we haven't really touched on in this show is you know, what are the additional complications that come with having a family and children while you're traveling and how do you kind of make it work, you know? Well, I think the main thing is our society tells us that parents need to kind of toe the line parents need to be responsible they need to do x y and z you need to we, we have these very tightly defined parameters for what parents can and cannot do mm-hmm. and that becomes difficult when you have other dreams when you have other aspirations when you have other things you want to do right. most families don't take their kids out on bicycles for four years. That's not what most families do. Mm -hmm. And there were some people who, I mean, there were a lot of people who felt what we were doing was absolutely fabulous and amazing, and they recognized it for what it was, um, an amazing experience for all four of us. But there were some who were very critical of it. Right. Right. And what that did was it really made me reevaluate, truly reevaluate, is this a good thing for my kids or not? And I think as parents, that's your number one concern is, yes. am I doing right by my kids? Yeah. Is this is this the best thing for my child? Mm-hmm. And it's hard when you're trying to do something outside the box because you don't have a role model to lean on. You don't have somebody to say, oh, yeah, this person did, and look, their kids turn out okay. Right. And so we just kind of had to go, follow our heart, and say, this is what we're going to do. We trust that this is going to be good, and go. But it's that doubt, that self-doubt of parenting. Yes. Am I doing the best thing for my children? That it is, that, that's kind of the biggest complication, I think, that having kids throws into the whole mix. Right, right. Wow, I, I can only imagine, because even like as a solo traveler I have that self-doubt I had it and I've sort of silenced it now but it's, you know it comes back it's like wait what am I doing because you know I had just like you right it was uh, when I left some people were like oh that's amazing and some people were also like well you're crazy what are you doing and that's just me solo I can only imagine that if you also have uh, the responsibility of a family and kids right. that that pressure and that questioning is um intensified, right? Because it's not just you, your own self that you're responsible for and uh, whose life you're affecting, but it's many other people. So uh, I can imagine that it must be an intense kind of, I guess, internal thing. I mean, does it help that you've got, your husband is there with you as well, so at least maybe does it help that the two of you guys can, uh, you know, hey, can (laughs) sort of confirm to each other, no, we're doing the right thing. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, knowing that knowing that there were two of us coming in, both of us feeling that this was a good thing definitely helps for sure. Right. Um, but it's still, you know, it's unsettling. I mean, am I am I ruining my child? Am I destroying right. my child's life? Am I ruining his chances and he's not going to be able to make anything out of his life because I made the wrong decision here? Right. Uh, those are all factors that you think about. Right. Right. I wanna, so, I mean... I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask, so, you know, you have all these different things that you're juggling in the air when you're taking your kids with you. And, and like you said, it's the, am I, am I negatively or positively affecting my kids? Are they going to be better or worse off? I think, I think that, you know, how, how this comes to, to be a measurement of what they could or should, should have, should be, or potentially, um, are being affected by this trip are, you know, are you able to, to, to judge that? Are you just basically, you know, I, I'm, I'm losing track of my thought, but basically I want to know, are you bringing them back into the schooling system and do they seem to be, do have they told you like, I, I feel good. I feel like I know a lot more than my other peers do. Like, is that something you talk about? I think it's really important to recognize that we will never know how our journey affected mm. them. Right. I often say there is no control group. There is no Davy and Daryl who didn't do the journey right. versus Davy and Daryl who did. Okay? Right. So we yeah. will never know what they would have been without the travels. Right. So that makes it hard because one of the, the big questions people have is how did this affect them or, you know, how did they do? And, and, and I don't know how it affected them and I never will know. What I can say is that they have integrated back into society fine. There were some small bumps in the road when we first got back. And, it, and I mean small things like the first day of, of class, we put them in class just half time just to see how they would do if this was going to work or not right. maybe we would continue homeschooling maybe not you know we just didn't know right and so we put them into school and the first day they came home and they said mom i need a binder my teacher said i need a binder what's that <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and i and i had to laugh about it it's a binder like how hard is this <laughs> that's but funny. my kids had been out of america for so long, you know, when other kids were starting middle school and they had to have binders and and so other everybody else knew what a binder was, but my kids had no idea. Right. And it was so it yeah. was little things like that. I would say for a good six or eight months, we would come up across little things that they just didn't know because they hadn't been here. Right. Right. And and so fortunately they took it all in stride they they had i think they had just been traveling for so long and they were so used to not knowing stuff that everybody else knew that it didn't bother them right um, but once they once they kind of settled in and and all that i mean as far as academically they're fine they're taking we are still officially homeschooling but they are taking advanced classes at the local um, schools and so they're taking some advanced math and science classes and they're doing just fine with it Awesome. And so I think academically they did fine, and socially they're they're fine. Great. Um, I mm. think overall, I think our journey really benefited them. But again, I mean, maybe they would have been doing this anyway, even without the journey. I don't know. I can say that our <laughs> journey did not hurt them. I got gotcha. you. Right. I, that's I, uh, go yeah. Ahead, I that's 
I'd have to agree. I mean, I think, and this is a good, um, this relates to actually your most recent book, um, which is Road Schooling. And uh, I'd actually love to hear you talk more on that topic because I think the question maybe listeners have now is, wait, so how were you going about this whole homeschooling thing while you're traveling on bikes around the world? And um, I, I, I really, I'll let you kind of speak to it because I think your approach on it is pretty amazing. Um, right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I did. I just released a book a couple of months ago called Road Schooling, The Ultimate Guide to Education Through Travel. And it goes into the the theoretical stuff about what happens inside our brain when we learn mm-hmm. uh, because i think it's really important if a parent is going is considering a major lifestyle thing like we did it's important that you understand that process of learning understand what is happening inside the brain when you actually learn so i talk about that but then i go into a much more concrete hands-on ideas of how to take advantage of your travels. And by that I mean, you know, when you're in Egypt, you're learning about Egypt. Uh, you're taking right. advantage of where you are to to learn. Uh, right. One of the things that we did when we were arriving at the Panama Canal, we spent some time researching uh, prior to getting to the canal and we researched the history of the canal the logistical challenges of making the canal. We looked at the economic impact of cutting that 10 days off of the journey. We looked at the ecological challenges of combining the two oceans, the physics involved with raising and lowering the ships. So there were so many different aspects to the Panama Canal that we could study. And you saw it firsthand. (laughs) And then, yeah, right. And And then when we arrived there, we were able to go to the canal. We were able to talk with the people in the little museum there. And so we could take our learning a step farther beyond what we learned on the internet um, by being there and seeing it and doing it. And and so by road schooling, that's what I mean is where are you uh, mm-hmm. in the world? I mean, what, what are you seeing? What's around you? And how can you take advantage of that to teach reading, writing, science, social studies. So you can teach all of those subjects within the greater context of your travels. Yes. And that's what the book is all about. (laughs) No, I love that. Um, I, you know, it's, it's great because that's a question I think people would have is if I'm traveling, people who want to have a family and want to travel, that would say, Oh, how am I going to educate my children if I'm traveling? And I think what you, hone in on in your book is that actually traveling isn't really necessarily a thing that can detract that detracts from education but in fact it can be something you can use that to the advantage of the education and use the places you are to to enhance the process Um, and I also I I really like the example you gave us before we started recording and when you were saying hey if you're in Egypt at the pyramids um, why are you looking at a textbook about the American Civil War you study the pyramids you're right here (laughs) right Uh, exactly uh, yeah and so many so many parents so many parents really feel because education is huge you know we all know how important the education of our children is and so many parents are really afraid to kind of just take off on their own and they feel much more comfortable having right. a set curriculum. Okay, today we're going to do pages 55 and 56. And right. we don't care that we happen to be in right. Long Bay, Vietnam. We are going to learn about whatever is on pages 55 and 56. <laughs> and, and, and I want to say something to that. I think that's, I think, th- Mike and I have talked about this 
before. And I think that educate, you know, in in our education, in our careers, learning um, from the time you're what is it in kindergarten through high school, you have a curriculum, you're learning based on the curriculum, and you're developing. Uh, tendencies and patterns to satisfy the curriculum to be get an A, okay? Right. And I think that there's negative things when it comes to that because you're you're taught to to you know try to you're trying to achieve perfection, but what is defined as perfection? You know, when you're a kid trying to get an A, who's who's trying to also you know learn how to socialize and learn how to be a little kid in a society like like there's so many things you're learning and I feel like you know we're taught to learn certain skills to satisfy the to yeah. get the positive result and I you think it's negative a lot of the time you study to the test the you, you study to the <laughs> curriculum you get a you know you get these you know patterns ingrained in you that that are detrimental to you later in life some of them are positive but I think you know you you're studying to get the test and that's it you know you're not yeah. taught to think creatively like you think Montessori schools where they follow the the student and let the student learn by themselves I, I'm not an expert on Montessori but I get the philosophy and I think that you know are these similar philosophies that are based in your book of you know having this kids explore is that the those are kinds of things that you're thinking of well, I think it's really important that we draw a distinction between learning right. and grades. Right. Ah, yeah. So I personally, as a teacher, I had 21 years of teaching experience. Yeah. Uh, but I do not agree with our grading system. I yeah. don't agree with the way that so many parents, you know, oh, if you bring home an A, I'll give you money. Or if you bring home an A, I'll give you this. Right. Uh, I think we'll the focus dog. needs to be on learning. <laughs> exactly. The focus needs to be on learning. Right. And so I don't care what grade my kids get. Uh, I want them to learn. Right. right. And so the focus needs to be on learning. And that's yes. in my book. It's all about what can you learn and how can you learn. And I, I, yeah, I think there there are some good things about our schools. I am not anti-school at all. Neither am I. Neither am I. Right. But I realize that there are some limitations and there are some shortcomings, and that is one of them. Yes. That's definitely one of them. And unfortunately, our entire society right. has bought into this idea of if you get A's, it means you're learning more, and it may not right. be. That may not be true. <clears throat> no, it may not be, and it's a system that's you know. Uh, it's designed this way. You also kind of tr you lump people together and expect every single person to also have the same uh, uh, proficiencies, right? Like, but maybe some people are more artistic or creative, you know. And a lot of people that we diagnose them say, "Oh, you've got ADD," and we'll give you some Ritalin so you can be like everyone else and be still in class and get good grades. And uh, you know, it's but maybe this is a person that should be trying some more creative, artistic things, you know. Yeah. I think that's definitely a limitation of our system is that we try to put everyone in the same box and say this is how you're you are at you're scored to, on the same way A B C D and every subject and it's yeah it's not it's focused on letters versus actually learning I think right. a lot of a lot right. of time um, right I'm I'm curious now you know with the system that we have in education so you you're in a structure from you know young age through 18 then if you you know most people choose to go to college and then from there you know if you follow the pattern you you know you start working and then you start 
you know, establishing a family and, you know, we're Pete, we constantly talk to people on this podcast and people such as yourself, such as Michael, who break that pattern and, and start doing these other things. And I think that, you know, why does the educational system have to be, you know, a part of the pattern? Why can't we do the education on the road? Why can't we do these things? Um, I think that's, I think it's something that we should, that we need more of in the world. And I, I, I wanted to ask you, do, do you know Montessori schools? Have you read up on them? Have, are you familiar with their techniques or anything? Um, I'm, Nancy? I'm so, somewhat familiar. Yeah. I have a basic idea of what they are. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on them and what they're talking about? You know, are there, their mantras? I I, I think it's fine. I, I think that's I think that's good, and I think that's probably the schools kind of should go more for, with that. Actually, for my There's benefit some... and the audience members, could one of you guys just give a brief overview of what a Montessori school is? Because I personally have no idea. <laughs> um, I, I don't, Nancy. You want me to try to give my crack at it? It's gonna be yeah. all right. It's gonna be decent. I'm some people. If you can test, feel free to email me. <laughs> uh, basically, I've met several people who've worked worked in Montessori schools, and what their their mantra is to follow the development of the child so they don't have quote unquote you know a set curriculum or a teacher um they follow the ki- the child's development and they try to teach i i'm, I'm only going to skim on this i'm going to mess it up but um they try to have a bunch of different people in the room following the kids activities and and following you know their development um and guiding them but not teaching them facts so to speak, mm. teaching them more method, method, methods of how to learn and how to get information so they, they learn it the first time as opposed to, here, remember, learn this fact, do this, do this. It's, okay, this child's learning at this level. They need, here's, I'm going to point them towards this so they learn this skill set and, and go from there. And again, I might have uh. butchered that, but that's my understanding of it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's fairly close. It, it tends to be more common at the younger ages. Right. They have a lot of just different centers set up, so they would have kids would be able to go and do whatever they want. So they may have 15 different learning stations set up around the room, and then kids can, if they are fascinated by math, they can spend all day at math. Usually they'll kind of recommend that kids take some time at the other stations as well, but right. they don't force it. And so kids can really kind of delve into wherever they are interested in. Mm-hmm. It, it's great. It's usually only at the earlier ages. Right. It's much harder to find more Montessori schools that actually carry that through all the way through till the college age. Yeah. But the idea is great of, of allowing kids to, you know, expose them to lots of different things. Right. And then let mm. them go where they want to go. I, I like the idea, I mean, especially in uh, the today's era where we've got Google and information's at our fingertips. I think it's less critical today to memorize, say, facts, because you can find the information uh, out there that you need to find. So memorizing facts isn't important. It's, but it sounds like this kind of school, um, so I only know as much as you guys just told me, but it's more about teaching people how to learn. And that's really what's important, because you can always find the information, but you need to know how to, how to go through the process of finding it and of combing through all the massive amount of information that's there today. So right. I, I think there's something to say for that. For right. Sure. And, and I didn't and I, I think it's I, the only reason I mention is because it sounds it sounds like it's similar to to Nancy, what you're saying with your 
uh, technique that you discuss in road schooling and how the brain, you know, how the brain changes and develops and actually learns. And that's, it it sounded similar. So I wanted to get it out there for people to hear. Mm. Right. One of the, one of the, the things that is the most important to remember when you're educating a kid is that kids' brains are designed to learn. It's what they do. They, they, they learn and that's, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, they learn. And you can't really hold that back. And so if once you accept that, you accept this basic premise that kids learn, then that kind of frees things up. And so then you have to look at, okay, so they're going to learn anyway. Mm-hmm. As long as you put mm-hmm. them in a challenging and stimulating environment, mm-hmm. they're going to learn. Yeah. And does it really matter if they learn the parts of the flower and the phases of the moon in grade three? <laughs> or could they be learning about ancient Egypt and the pyramids uh, or the American Civil War or about the Falklands War or, you know, whatever? Uh, is there anything magic about, you know, the schools have a, a, a certain curriculum and we typically teach certain things at different years, but why is there any big reason why those particular topics have to be taught this year? And I talk with some parents who are like, my kid won't keep up, you know, we're, I, I, I can't just take advantage of my travels because we won't be studying the same thing that their peers will be studying. Uh. And right. I'm saying that's true. That's true. You won't. <laughs> and that's but the advantage. But is that maybe. a bad thing? You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, right. you know, and, and it's not that there's anything wrong with learning the parts of a flower or the phases of the moon or any of those things that are taught in school. There's nothing wrong with those things. Right. It's just yeah. that there's nothing magical about right. those things either. They're arbitrary. Exactly. Uh, Very arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that. That is a really interesting point that I never quite. Uh, thought about in those terms, but now that you mention it, like, yeah, it's, there's, there's infinite amount of information in this world now that can be learned. Yeah, so what is, it is very, very arbitrary, like, what we decide uh, are the things you learn at a certain age. Um, I, I think what you nailed it there, it's like, yeah, kids are going to learn, so wherever you are, take advantage of where you are, what's going on, and they, you will learn something and grow, and it will be some, and even if it's different than your peers, I would say that's probably an advantage if you have a alternative perspective than what everyone else already knows. If everyone already knows it, then that's information that, okay, well, it's already known by this larger society. So I would say it's even more valuable to know, to be aware of things that most people are not aware of. Right. right. Yeah. Gives right. you that. I, I think it gives you an advantage, <laughs> at least. That's very, that's <laughs> I very... like, I like to believe it does. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's inspiring to me um, as, you know, who knows what the future holds for me. Like, will I have a family and kids and all this good stuff? I mean, at some point, I'd like to think I'll fall in love, all that, all that stuff. And I, I, it's nice to, to be talking to someone like you who even, it, it doesn't have to mean, you know, if I go and I have a family that I have to stop doing, following my passion and traveling or whatever that my passion happens to be at that point in the future. Uh, you can do it. And there are ways you can use it, use your passion, follow your passion, use that to your advantage to help your kids. Uh, right. And I, yeah, I Absolutely. think that's inspiring. Uh, Absolutely. You can totally use it. Yes. I, I think I, go ahead. No, man, you tell you. And I, I th- and also, you know, we're I think that you're, you know, by your kids learning on the road and and being with you and and your husband John, is that correct? 
Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just being exposed to traveling, making itineraries, having to learn and make being able to adapt and change on the fly has given you know your two kids a skill set that no other not many other children have that are currently in the school system and they'll have that for the rest of their life they've learned different things they have different skill sets than anyone else and i'm sure that that's going to work to their advantage in the future i mean just just thinking out of theory alone um you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you just said that because <laughs> I was reading through a, a forum online one time of it was these people that were very critical of us and they really thought what <laughs> we were doing was horrible. And If you don't have critics, um, you're not doing, you're doing something wrong. If you don't have critics. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so I'm reading through this forum and, and this particular quote really stood out. You know, we were talking about what the kids are learning and, and uh, somebody said they're learning to be bums on bikes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I was, I mean, and, and this was kind of in my period of self-doubt of as a parent, am I doing the right thing for my kids? Is this the good thing? Uh, ultimately, is it, it, am I hurting or helping my kids? And, you know, I mean, the, the, the whole nine yards, right? Right. And, uh, and so... Um, so I, I was really doubting, and, and so that quote has always kind of stayed with me. And so now I laugh because now I've got these two kids who are very advanced math and science, you know, taking AP courses. Daryl <laughs> took AP calculus in grade nine. Right. I didn't take calculus oh, wow. until I was a junior in college. <laughs> uh, you know, so he was in grade nine, took AP calculus, and... And it kind of just cracks me up that here these people really felt that all we were setting our kids up for, the only thing we were teaching them was how to be bums on bikes. Yeah. I I had to laugh at that one. Uh, That's funny. You know, that is a reaction people give you, though, is like they think if you're just traveling and actually this show, Walking the Earth podcast, is named after a scene uh, in Pulp Fiction where Samuel L. Jackson said, you know, John Travolta asks him, what are you going to do? You're, gonna, you're really thinking about quitting. And Samuel Jackson goes, yeah, basically I'm just going to walk the earth. And John Travolta's response is, no, Jules, you decided to be a bum. That's what you decided to be. <laughs> and, uh, Brilliant. Yes. Yeah, so we drew, we, we drew the inspiration from that scene for this, the name of the show because that's sort of like how I felt. You know, I'm, I was like Samuel L. Jackson saying, yeah, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to walk the earth, you know, go from place to place, meet people, get adventures. And then John Travolta is, are the, the naysayers that were saying, no, Mike, you decided to be a bum. And I'm like, yes. no, I'm just going to be Mike. I'm just going to be Jules. No more, no less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, 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 and it's all good. It's all good. It, there are so many different paths we can take. So many different ways we can go, mm-hmm. and I think that having that outside the box experience will only make you a richer person. I I, yes. I really yeah. believe that you know it, if we could get kids out traveling, our world would be a different place. Yes, they, There's a good we quote, would but... not have the wars we have. You mm. can't you can't go and travel amongst these regions and get to know kids from these other countries and then support war with them yes right yes i it's so funny as i was talking yesterday i was sitting down uh with two germans and uh uh two a spanish couple 
And I was thinking to myself, it's so funny because in my grandparents' time, we were in a war with the Germans uh, about whatever, what is a hundred some years ago, we had the Spanish-American War. And I was like, you know, not that distant history, I would have, these would have been my enemies. And it's just so crazy <laughs> to think about, like, wait, what? And, it, and here, and uh, obviously I'm here in Vietnam. Uh, right. I'm yeah. in Vietnam where America, yeah. you know, and it's like, wait, what do you mean? We were, we were here fighting a war against these people um, in very recent history. Um, and it's, it's, it is mind blowing. When you're out here, you realize like, wait, why are we, you know, why are we fighting? Why are we drawing lines, us and them? It, no, we're all human beings. Yeah, uh, yes. you know? it's incredible. Yeah. Yep, it's... indeed. And, and that's the message that we need to get out. I mean, and I think that that starts with our children. I think if we can get our kids out so that kids can see the humanity, they won't buy into the hype, the, the hysteria that is being sold to them, especially here in the U.S., mm-hmm. of these evil i mean i i can't believe how often i hear people talk about oh america needs this huge military to defend us right. against our enemies and i'm saying <laughs> well, yeah. defend our freedom <laughs> no there's oh. a dog something's the dogs wrong are barking for freedom hey, dog. <laughs> yeah really barking for freedom what are the do- what are the dogs names we got to uh, introduce them now because they're yeah. on the podcast uh, <laughs> the dogs are we have mo who's a little chihuahua schnauzer mix uh, we have Kiera, who is adorable, and she is a golden retriever in Dotson. So she looks like a golden retriever in a Dotson body. And then there's Sadie, who's a black lab. Awesome. You got a whole family over there. Of, of we dogs, do. Huh? We got a tribe. Do the, do the dogs have bikes of their own? You know, no, they actually, until we got Sadie, uh, we had the, they, they traveled in, in the trailer. We have the Bob trailers that we pull behind our bikes. Oh, cool. And so Kiara and Mo always traveled all over town. Uh, only town town. They haven't gone touring, but they were all over town in the in the Bob trailer. Uh, but now that we cool. got the, the black lab, they don't fit in the trailer anymore. So. I gotcha. <laughs> That's still awesome. I've never had dogs. My parents said, you have siblings. You don't need dog. You don't need pets. Oh, <laughs> I had a hamster. wonderful. I, well, I... I have I'm one of four kids and uh, they said yeah you got little little siblings you can play with they got me a hamster but then the hamster obviously bit me and I didn't like it that much so uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now, jealous. Um, so Nancy I uh, I guess another thing that I wanted to, you want to talk about a little bit wanted to hear, we wanted to hear you talk about was um, you have a consulting kind of um, thing you're starting up so people who mm-hmm have questions like how can I I guess it's probably aimed towards families I'm assuming that want to travel and know how can I do it you have the answer I suppose yeah <laughs> right right well I've, I've got a small business uh, going right now it's at, at dreamreboot.com and it's a program an ongoing support program for people who are wanting to make some big change in their life like they're wanting to head out and go travel so a friend and I run this and we've been doing that for a few years now um, and that's great I keep getting questions over and over about the education and I, I you know, being a longtime teacher, I have a master's in education. Uh, so I, I get a lot of questions about the educational side of things. And so I am now, we just got home a few days ago after the summer, but I'm, I'm now working on getting things organized and I will be just doing some, some one-on-one uh, consulting with families who are wanting to go and travel Mm-hmm. Uh, but are concerned about the education. How right. do we go about doing this? And 
again, I mean, I really think it's something that if somebody holds their hand for, uh, you know, the, the first destination or two of where they're going and kind of walks them through some of the different activities that they can be doing, give them an idea of how to do it. They can just be on their own and take off running. And so that's what I'll be starting up is just just some some consulting to help people over that initial fear. Right. Help them understand that their kids are going to learn and they're going to be fine and they're not going to ruin their kids for the rest of their life. And, right. And, and You're not teaching them to be bums on bikes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you um, know what? I, if somebody somebody says that that ev- that everyone's bums, but it can be like, hey, look at their look at their uh, math grades. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it's funny. It's really funny you say that because I have actually heard from quite a few people who have done exactly that. Um, Posted you know, the postcard. Yeah, the, the yeah, they're cards. all concerned about taking their kids out, and they're saying, "But look, these kids traveled around the world on bicycles for four years, and yet look at them—they're taking AP classes." And right. and so it's kind of it's kind of become this 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 joke within yeah. our our circle of you know this yeah we've destroyed our kids' lives. And... <laughs> I you know what I can understand their fears. You know I'm thinking I'm trying to put my my feet in their shoes. It's like. Wow, being a parent is a huge responsibility. Working is a huge responsibility. Paying the bills is a huge responsibility. I've, if you've never been a teacher before, um, I know you've had experiences that like I could I could see they're like they want the best for the kids just like anybody else does, and I understand they want to be on the they want to give their kids the best, and maybe that's those are shoes that they're just not familiar with being filled, and that's why. You know, I'm. I think that this road schooling book that you're mentioning, that you've written, is probably exactly what they need to hear to to put. You know, have them go over the edge and make that first step. Probably. Yes. Oh, and I don't. I don't blame parents for being concerned about it at all. I, I know that education is huge. We all know how important education is, and we. We parents. I mean, I, I being a teacher, of course, I have a different perspective, but. As parents, we do have this idea that the schools have the scientifically designed curriculum uh, that is designed to make sure that our kids know everything they need to know and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, we've, we've kind of developed that attitude as a society. Right. And, 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 and so I totally understand why parents are, are scared. Uh, they don't want to ruin their parents, they, uh, ruin their kids. They, they want to do the best thing. And and that's and that's fine. And that's all I want to do is just try to help these parents and help them over those hurdles and help them understand right. that you can right. take advantage of your travels and it will be wonderful and your kids will learn what they need to learn. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. Gotcha. That's that's great. Uh, so the I guess the site's forthcoming for that consulting kind of thing. It'll be somewhere on familyonbikes.org. Will be links to that kind of thing. It will be on familyonbikes.org. Um, I also have a site at, at roadschooling.com. Unfortunately, we've mm. been gone all summer, and so that doesn't even have my book on it yet. But anyway, that will have both the book and the consulting in it. Um, but everything will be on Family on Bikes as well. And so that's probably the best place to go because that tends to be where things get centered. Gotcha. Ah, great. Um, okay, sweet. Well, actually, I wanna, we want to ask you one more question. Okay. Uh, and that question is, um, what is one more thing that you haven't already done in your life that you would like to do uh, before it's all over? I 
Okay, I taught on the Navajo Indian Reservation way back in the 80s. And my teaching assistant was a silversmith, a Navajo silversmith, and she made beautiful stuff. And I wanted to get into silversmithing back then in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I also knew that I wanted to travel. And uh -huh. I knew that silversmithing and travel were not a match made in heaven. That There was so much equipment involved with silversmithing. And so I didn't do that. I ended up doing beadwork and I've been in beadwork. I've been doing that for years. And I have recently made the decision to start silversmithing. And so this started, I think, in February. I started taking a silversmithing class and I've been playing with metals. And so I'm still very much a beginner, but I am hoping that I can develop my, my silversmithing skills. So that's my goal. It's not travel so much anymore. I traveled for many, many, many years and mm -hmm. I'm kind of over the the, right. the travel. If I never travel again in my life, I'm okay with that at this point. Ah, okay. Next uh, phase. But I, yeah, yeah, next phase, exactly. So I've been really getting into the metal smithing. I've been playing with copper. Uh, once I kind of perfect my copper with my, my skills with the copper, I hope to start working more with sterling. And um, and that's been a lot of fun. It's It's been something that has been totally challenging me in a whole different way. Awesome. Oh, fantastic. Incredible. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's, uh, you know, a key thing is uh, I'm coming to understand it myself is, you know, okay, so there was a point in time where travel was the number one thing and I did. And now I'm at a phase where I've talked about in recent episodes as well. Maybe I want a little bit more stability. And I think like the key maybe is not that you have to choose a one thing with your life and that's what you do forever. I'm uh, always traveling or whatever. It's no, you follow at the moment. What's your passion? Right. And it eventually for me also, I'm going to say, oh, well, uh, and I don't think I'm completely done with traveling, but at some point I'll think, oh, maybe I will be. And I'll say, I'm ready to maybe take up some uh, silver crafting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's funny how when we talk about this whole idea of dreams, we tend to have one dream. I mean, so like I liken it a lot to our riding our bikes from Alaska to Argentina. Mm -hmm. It was such a big dream. And wow. so for the year yeah. while we were planning... I was so focused on getting to Alaska. Like it was, if I can just get to Alaska, like this is this big leap. I have to, I have all this other stuff I have to do. I have to get to Alaska. And so finally we did. Well, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the, the, the dream has, I guess, shifted. You know, it's still kind of tied in with the same dream. But I used to be so focused on getting to Alaska. Now I'm in Alaska, so now what's next? Okay, so right, then I shift right. my focus to mm -hmm. getting to Argentina. Okay, so now the dream is to get to Argentina. Right. And so with each phase of this process, the goal is different. Yes. Um, but I think yes. it's important that you set a goal and you kind of have something out there. Um, right. Yes. And, and if you don't, it can be really hard. I had a friend who spent many years cycling around the world he was on the road for nine years or something like that and um about probably a year and a half before he finally actually stopped he made a comment on facebook and he said i really want to stop traveling but i don't know how <laughs> interesting that's and it really hit me uh it yeah. really hit me that it's something that it's the same 
thing of traveling to him had become his nine to five. Right. Right. And it was just as hard for him to get out of the traveling as it is for most people to get into it because any of these big changes, they're scary and they're hard and you don't know how to do it and you're comfortable in your routine and you know that routine. And so it's hard to change. Um, But yeah, I think it's really important that you set an end goal. You say, this is what I hope to achieve or and it it doesn't have to be like for us it was a physical destination where we want to get to the southern tip of south america but it could be something else where i want to learn this and once i've learned this then i give myself permission to move on to the next phase gotcha yes but i I just think that there's got it's got to evolve yeah yeah i i couldn't agree more this is actually ties in very much with things we talked about in the last episode, uh, a fellow who is also a bicycle a cycler, cycling around the world, and he talks about, we had a lot, a big conversation about breaking yep. habits and something, Justin actually made a pretty uh, astute observation where he said, well, hey, aren't you guys in the habit of moving? You know, and that's true. I Myself, I'm now in this habit of moving. And, and the thing is, uh, you know, when I went on this indefinite backpacking trip, um, I think something to understand is, no, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be backpacking forever. There will be, like you said, there's phases. So now it's time for the next phase. And having a goal is a good thing. Having And and that's what I'm kind of now defining for myself or what are my next goals for the next phase of my, yeah. my life. And uh, yeah, and then maybe they change too. Yeah. I'm trying to be flexible with them, but I oh, think it's, totally all these change. things are important. Yeah. Yes, um, they totally change. As you go through life, they totally change. And that's okay. That's fine. But... Again, getting back to way at the beginning of this conversation, the idea of having a reason versus having an excuse. Right. Yes. Um, sometimes yes. you have very valid reasons why you can't do something. Too often, we actually have excuses and we use those as reasons. And so it's very important that uh, we keep that clear and we are honest with ourselves. Is this an excuse or is this a reason? Gotcha. And I, I, I think that's, I think that's amazing. And, and, uh, in the, in a future episode, I think you'll be interested in this We're we're looking to possibly get a life coach or someone who helps people with these types of decisions, the decision-making processes on the show and talk to them about things they recognize and ways to set goals and things like that. And I think that's speaks exactly to, to what you're saying right now. Mm. Um, right, right, yeah. yep. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, um, so folks that are interested in finding you, Nancy, the best place, it sounds, is familyonbikes.org. Um, your most recent book is Road Schooling. And um, so we will actually, um, you know, we make a sort of blog post with each episode. So we'll have a posting with this episode that will have links to all your pages. So familyonbikes.org. Uh, I think you're on Twitter. Are you at familyonbikes? Is that right? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. At familyonbikes. We'll have links to all that. And also we'll have links to your book. Um, actually, our show, Walking the Earth Podcast, has an affiliate link with Amazon. And so we're going to put a link through, our, um, through that. Uh, basically, if you buy... Uh, Nancy's book through the link on our page you'll support Nancy support the show support all around so we'll throw um, all the links to people who are interested to all your various books on the posting for this episode Um, and also all the ways that people can find you online Um, but yeah I think yeah I think I hit all the stuff there Uh, check us you can find that all of course at wtepodcast.com yes thanks Nancy (laughs) yeah thanks Nancy for joining us um, yes, thank you. 
And thank you so much for having me. It's it's been a pleasure. Um, this is Justin Castle in New York City for Walking the Earth podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care.